Hello and welcome into another episode of the FantTC Football Pod with Nick and Cody coming at you with a week for review recording a few minutes after the Monday night football game between the Rams and the 49ers just wrapped up. Uh, Cody, go ahead and give me a uh, temperature check on the weekend. How did it go for you? Uh, the weekend went pretty well for me. Best bets went 2-0-1 because Baltimore kind of choked that game away. But uh, other than that, went 3-2 and in fantasy. And even in the two leagues that I lost in, I still feel really good about my teams. Luckily, kind of uh, the injury bug that came through this weekend missed the majority of my teams. So got a little bit lucky there. But um, yeah, looking really good. Obviously, we're going to have a large uh, waiver wire emphasis on this show. So Hopefully we'll mention a couple names that you could go out there and help improve your rosters. But Nick, how was your weekend? How did uh, how'd your leagues turn out? Mine went pretty well, too. I was uh, 4-0 actually this week. Got a little lucky on a couple of them, just kind of facing some matchups that didn't uh, pan out for the other guy there. But uh, a lot of my teams kind of had some bounce back weeks. I did have one share of Javante Williams that really hurts, but I'm 4-0 in that league right now, so I think we have some time to find another option there at running back, and uh, besides my actual football not going very well, uh, the Broncos obviously a tough weekend losing Javante Williams and uh, the rest of the AFC West winning. Not uh, not the best, but other than the real football aspect of it, our fantasy did pretty well. I think our podcast had a good weekend, and like you said, our best bets, 4-1-1, one, and one, uh, that's going to get the job done, so we are on a pretty good roll with those best bets lately. Um, for sure you're you're going to thursday night football right yes sir uh the the fan tc football podcast going on the road to uh denver this week cody is going to be uh loyally coming through with a solo episode on the uh, week five preview so i can enjoy myself at the denver game hopefully uh even though my boys are a little banged up we come out with a win there against the colts who are also pretty banged up but that should be a fun game. And uh, again, Cody, thank you for taking over for me on that week five preview. But um, for sure, let's go ahead and jump into these injuries. Like you said, there was quite a few to a lot of fantasy relevant players. Kind of a worse week, I'd say, uh, than the first three as far as injuries go uh, to major uh, pieces on fantasy teams. First off, the consensus 101, Jonathan Taylor. It actually looked worse when it happened. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, speculation that it was a high ankle sprain. Looks like it's uh, he avoided that at least. He's day-to-day right now. Actually has a chance to play Thursday night, surprisingly. Uh, I would imagine he misses that game, but it uh, looks like it'll be either just one game or zero games for Jonathan Taylor. So uh, just definitely missed a stepped over the landmine there for fantasy managers, uh, even though Taylor has been pretty bad so far this year. We'll get into him later. Javante Williams, uh, my boy, did not avoid major injury. He tore his ACL and LCL. He's out for the year. Really, really disappointing. He had a chance to be a breakout player this year, but uh, the backfield will be turned over to Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone and uh, another piece that just got signed. I'll get into that later. Um, Traylon Burks, he injured his foot on Sunday. Looks like he's dealing with a turf toe injury. Um, He's going to be out for a couple weeks probably. Those turf toes tend to linger a little bit uh, for guys, especially um, for wide receivers. So he's going to need a couple weeks to come back. Cordero Patterson got put on IR. He's going to be out at least four weeks. That gives Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley a pretty big opportunity with how much Atlanta runs the ball. Uh, Again, we'll get into that later when we talk about the Falcons. Jahan Dotson injured his hamstring. He's expected to miss one to two weeks. Jamison Crowder broke his ankle. He's out indefinitely. Uh, I would imagine he's out most of the rest of the year uh, for the Bills there. 
Tua has already been ruled out this week. No surprise there after the scene on Thursday night. Hopefully he can recover quickly. Brian Robinson was medically cleared on Monday. He's off the NFI list. The team has 21 days to activate him uh, if they want to keep him on the active roster this year. I imagine they will if he's been medically cleared. Uh, Melvin Gordon was limited by a neck injury on Monday, and the Broncos signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad, so he's going to have to make a short uh, turnaround there from London on Sunday for the Saints, and he's going to be playing uh, for the Broncos on Thursday. Probably just a depth signing there, but maybe the Broncos uh, hedging a little bit with this Gordon injury um, in case he has to miss as well. Uh, Rashad Bateman has a midfoot injury. He's day-to-day -day right now. Not much update on his status that I've seen so far, so just keep an eye on that. And then uh, this is not injury-related, but the Steelers named Kenny Pickett their starter. I saw that pretty, rec uh, pretty recently, uh, a couple hours ago. I saw that news come across the docket there. So uh, Pickett will be the starter moving forward, and he has a really, really tough first game at Buffalo. So good luck, kid. First start uh, on the road against probably the best defense in the NFL. We'll see how he does. Uh, Cody, do you uh, want to react to any of these injuries right now, or do you want to just wait till we get to the game uh, reviews? Uh, I just want to say that, unfortunately, Jamison Crowder's injury was the kind of moment that you and I have been waiting on for Isaiah McKenzie to really break through, which we'll mention him when we talk about the Bills, but um, now there should be three pass catchers up there that have some fantasy relevance. So uh, kind of good for the fantasy community, not so good for Jamison Crowder himself. Yeah, we will uh, talk about that when we review Bills-Ravens. Um, the Bills passing game may get a little bit easier to predict moving forward with less options there. Uh, but we're going to start with the Thursday night game. Miami at Cincinnati. Cincinnati wins at 27-15. to uh, starting with the Miami side, uh, I don't think the Tua injury is going to kill Waddle or Hill's value. I think they'll be just fine while Bridgewater's in there. He's perfectly capable of, um, you know, holding fantasy assets up on the outside at least. Uh, I think we've seen that before with his time in Carolina. And in the backfield, I think Mostert's a start for now. I mean, he's pretty much taken over the snap share lead over Edmonds. He, I think he had over 70% of the snaps, which is a pretty – elite RB1 type of share. I don't know if it stays that heavy, but uh, I think you got to start him over Edmonds right now. But I'm not dropping Edmonds quite yet. Mostert's obviously been hurt a lot in his career. You want to react to Miami real quick? And yeah. then I'll get on to Cincinnati. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. I I tend to agree with you when it comes to Waddle and Hill. Um, I think Hill, it definitely does not affect him too much. I think Waddle is just a slight downgrade. Maybe not... Uh, you know, too many too many slots on the overall rankings, but I would just kind of temper expectations with Bridgewater in there. And, yeah, I mean, I guess if you have confidence, you can start Moster, but he's just still like a flex-level play for me. And then we've been out on Gusecki, but definitely don't start him while Teddy Bridgewater's the starter. No, absolutely not. I'm not looking at Gusecki until there's an injury above him, most likely. Um, and on the Cincy side, uh, Joe Mixon continues his poor run of play so far this year. His uh, yards per carry on the year stands at 2.7. That is almost unbelievably bad, but honestly, if he keeps the workload that he has, uh, he's going to be just fine for fantasy, I think, until we see a shift in the way that they, uh, they deploy their backs. We just have to keep rolling Mixon out there and hope things get better. And the Cincio line is still a work in progress, but uh, the the options on the outside are starts every week, no matter what. And Joe Burrow is going to be fine as well. So uh, anything uh, on your mind there for Cincy after this game? 
Uh, so one thing that I do have to say about Cincy, I've, I just, this is just a question for you because I kind of know how your stance was coming into the season. Uh, T. Higgins or Jamar Chase rest of season, uh, if you had to have one or the other straight up? Oh, I think we would go Jamar Chase if it's one or the other uh, straight up. But I think that our take about uh, Higgins being more of a 1B than a solid 2 has proven uh, pretty accurate so far this year, I think. It's going to be pretty back and forth, uh, but Chase probably just has a little bit more top-end talent and probably has a little bit more in the way of breakaway speed, even though we saw Higgins with a long touchdown in this one. Uh, but I would expect Hill to have, or excuse me, uh, Jamar Chase to have higher upside before the year is said and done. But uh, it's not that big of a separation. I think we talked about that before the season started, and uh, that's been a win for us so far. Yep, you nailed the point I wanted to make there. The separation isn't as big as people would have made you think in the beginning of the year. So um, if you can go out there and potentially get a T. Higgins for a little less than you can get a Jamar Chase for, I would definitely make that move. Yeah, absolutely. T. is a stud and uh, will continue to be involved in this offense, clearly, uh, as we move forward here. London game, uh, Minnesota at New Orleans. Minnesota ends up pulling it out 28-25, just barely missing my Minnesota minus 3.5 uh, plug on the best bets, the only one we missed this week. I can live with it. Uh, a .5 point loss is not going to kill you. Uh, but on the Minnesota side, good to see J.J. and Thielen kind of gets a heftier target share here. It wasn't quite as spread around as it was the past few weeks, so hopefully those two can continue to you know, have the condensation of targets there so we uh, can be confident playing both of them. Uh, I'm buying low on Dalvin Cook as well. New Orleans' run defense is tough. His uh, workload has been elite so far this year, and I've seen nothing on tape that says he's uh, any, you know, has lost a step or anything like that. So as long as Cook's going to be valued to this degree, he'll start, start scoring more touchdowns and be more valuable for fantasy. Yep, I completely agree uh, when it comes to Dalvin Cook. I think if, and we'll talk about Clyde when we get there, but I think a Clyde plus a wide receiver to go get Dalvin Cook is a move every Clyde owner should be trying to make. Uh, so I completely agree on buying Dalvin Cook. And then, yeah, with Justin Jefferson and Thielen, it is good to see. Uh, Irv Smith didn't have too good of a game, but he's still kind of in that streaming level of tight end, so you're going to have these down games. But um, overall, if you had a Minnesota receiving option, you were pretty happy because J.J. and Thielen had pretty solid days. Yeah, good point on Irv Smith. Uh, he's just a streaming tight end. You're going to just kind of hope he scores one week or another. I mean, that's sort of where we're living exactly. there with streamers. And uh, I, you took the words out of my mouth with CEH. I was just going to say I think a CEH plus maybe a flex-level option uh, and try to go get Dalvin Cook would be a great move uh, for fantasy managers. But, we'll again, we'll get to CEH a little bit more in depth when we talk about the Kansas City game. On the, uh, the New Orleans side, there's not really much to take away here just because uh, there was no Jameis, no Thomas, no uh, Kamara, so not many of the options we're looking at week-to-week -week actually played in this one other than Chris Olave. He's the number one moving forward. Even with Andy Dalton in the lineup, still comes in with a solid day here, so I'm getting more and more confident in our Olave take as the days go here. Yeah, absolutely. He was a uh, – I mean, he's, he's just a great wide receiver in general, but – um, do you think there's any potential Andy Dalton taking over for Jameis Winston, or do you think it's Jameis's job uh, for sure? I think Jameis would have to have a couple bad weeks in a row. I feel like this coaching staff, uh, knowing that the Saints have kind of you know sold a lot to go for it this year, don't have a first-round pick next year, I doubt they're putting all their eggs in Andy Dalton's basket, as it were, before they are yeah. you know forced to by uh, a few bad Jameis games in a row. Yep, um, I agree. I, I tend to agree with that. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think Dalton's ceiling is pretty defined at this point in his career. Um, next game here, Tennessee at Indianapolis. Tennessee wins it 24-17. to 17. Uh, I think on the Tennessee side, Derrick Henry being back on track is the biggest story here. Tough matchup on the road against Indy, even without uh, Darius Leonard for a lot of this one. Uh, they've been pretty good against the run so far this year, so he looks good. I don't mind selling high on Henry, but it'd have to be at uh, pre-draft levels of value because RB is really rough right now. And, you know, even if he has a few down weeks, he's going to get 20 to 25 carries every week, and that's not something you can say about a lot of running backs right now. It's it's tough sledding for uh, for most of the field there for running back, especially with the uh, the injuries we saw to the position this week. And uh, all, elsewhere, not much for Tennessee with Burks being out. I think Woods might be usable since, uh, you know, Traylon's going to miss a few weeks here, but I'm still selling, selling high on Woods if you can get anything at all for him. Yeah, for sure. And Henry ended up with five targets again this week. That's something I think we both wanted to Good see. Point. So, um, you know, he is still an aging running back. So if you can sell him at an immense value right now, I don't hate it, but at the same time, there's a lot of running backs out there that are struggling on a week-to-week basis, so you might just want to hold on. And then, yeah, receiving options on this team, Woods is the only one that I would consider um, unless someone were to break out. But through the first four weeks, I'm not uh, super interested in uh, any other options. Yeah, good point on Henry. I kind of forgot to mention that he kind of held his uh, passing game involvement here for another week. If he can stay around that four to five target range every week, that's going to really, really help his floor, especially in games that the Titans are not, you know, ahead most of the time like they were in this one. And on the uh, Indianapolis side, uh, wow, Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries, 42 yards, a lost fumble, uh, one catch for one yard as well. But Man, he has not panned out so far this year. I'm not really changing my opinion on him as a player, but uh, it's going to be hard to expect him to be the one-on-one moving forward. I think he's come back to the pack a little bit in a major way, and I think it has a lot to do with his offensive line not being the elite group that it was last year as well. And on Pittman, uh, Michael Pittman had a little bit of a rough game in this one, only three catches uh, held to just 34 yards, but I would be buying low on him. I think the target share will come back around. This is also his first game back after the injury, so... Um, again, oh, excuse me, this was the second game back. But still, I'm uh, I'm buying low on Pittman. I think he'll be the clear wide receiver one in this room moving forward. Yeah, uh, Matt Ryan's doing a pretty good job of making Carson Wentz look like a uh, <laughs> usable quarterback through the first four weeks here. But um, with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, if you can get draft day value and, you know, I, I don't know, that's still just a hard trade to pull the trigger on just because we've seen how great he can be. Uh, for this Thursday, I would plan to have another option in there. Uh, if Naeem Hines is available, I'd assume he'd get the majority of the work uh, if Taylor does happen to miss. Um, and then with Michael Pittman, I wouldn't mind trading Michael Pittman away depending on what I'm getting back. Now, his value is pretty low, and I don't like to sell you know good assets at a low value. So I'm probably holding him for right now and, like Nick said, trading for him. But if someone's going to go out there and trade you a you know high-end wide receiver two for Michael Pittman, it might be something I would uh, consider. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm a little bit higher on Pittman our rest of season here. I just uh, I kind of believe in the talent, and I just think that he is clearly the best pass-catching option on this team this year. This week, obviously, we had a Mo Ali Cox sighting. Uh, he had six catches for 85 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns, but I would not expect that to continue long term. I think Pittman is going to be the guy in the receiving room uh, for the Colts. 
And uh, if Naeem Hines is on your waiver wire, definitely go and scoop him up. He'll be a really good play against Denver this week. They are weak against the run, uh, not so much against the pass. So the Colts will need to rely on whatever running back they do have available. I imagine it'll be Hines leading the way if Taylor is out. Um, Jets and Steelers. The Jets uh, win this one 24 to 20 pulling off the uh, the late touchdown there to, to grab me my over and uh, seal the win for themselves in the last few seconds there. I think on the Jets side, the big storyline here is Brees Hall. Uh, he's gonna, He looks like he's going to have a second-half breakout this year. might even be a you know first-half breakout the way it's going right now. Uh, his increased usage is super encouraging. He kind of took over the first and second down work in the second half of this one and had a lot more route involvement. Didn't see a ton of production on the receiving side, but got six targets and he has uh, been out there a lot more, so we'd really like to really like to see that from Brees Hall. I think he will emerge as the year goes on. And I'm still preferring Garrett Wilson out of this wide receiver room. Uh, I mean, obviously the move to Zach Wilson will lead to some more inconsistency from the room as a whole, but I think he is the best talent there uh, that I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I agree um, in regards to Garrett Wilson for sure. And then with Brees Hall, uh, we told you two weeks ago to go trade for him because he was... Uh, not useless to people at that point, but pretty close to it. You had to hold them until the breakout happened, and if there was an owner out there that you know was struggling to win, you might be able to get him for uh, on the low, but that is not looking likely anymore. It looks like he could potentially break out here for sure in the next couple of weeks, which is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with Garrett Wilson. He would be the one I'd want to have out of this room, but... Uh, in deep leagues, Elijah Moore should definitely be rostered. And then I would say Corey Davis should also be rostered if he's out there on the waiver wire and you're uh, weak at wide receiver. I wouldn't have a lot of confidence starting him, but if one of these guys go down, my confidence would go up quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Zach Wilson's also shown a pretty uh, good rapport with Corey Davis to this point in his career. Whenever he's on the field, seems like that's the guy he prefers. I'm just going to bet long-term on the guy with the most talent uh, at the position. But Corey Davis, definitely, uh, you can plug and play him if you need uh, a weekly fill-in because it looks like Wilson uh, you know, will give him seven or eight targets pretty much every week. And on the Steelers' side, um, I, I think George Pickens is kind of the, the story that we want to talk about here with... Uh, Kenny Pickett coming into the lineup looked like he was the preferred man from the uh, the receiving group for Pickett in this one. And I think, you know, the the only issue that I have here with you know, dumping a lot of fab on George Pickens is their upcoming schedule is really, really brutal. They have, uh, you know, four or five tough matchups basically in a row here, starting with uh, at Buffalo this week. So I think that should temper your expectations a little bit, but Pickens definitely should be rostered in every league just in case he becomes the number one here because, again, he's a young wide receiver, was a, had first-round draft a draft capital pedigree, and if he you know, if he emerges in the second half of this year, he could be a really valuable piece. And really the rest of the offense, oh, oof, Malone, Cody, it is not looking good. Najee had a bad week against uh, you know a team that he should not have had a bad week against, in my opinion. No targets either from uh, Pickett or Trubisky. That is not a good sign. And then Deontay Johnson, the other one, stocked down a little bit there as well. We don't know if his target share will hold with Pickett at QB. Yeah, I think... Um... I think well, George Pickens, you summed it up perfectly. He should definitely be rostered, but with the upcoming schedule, you're probably not going to have the confidence to start him unless he puts together, you know, maybe another one to two solid weeks. So, um, should be rostered, but you'd have to have a pretty rough roster to be wanting to put him in there. And, um, 
Deontay Johnson, I'm not going to be too worried about. You know, typically rookies tend to target rookies in the fir- their first action just because that's who they're used to throwing to. So I think Johnson's still the team's wide receiver one and is probably going to get some good looks. So I'm not super low on him. But again, if you can kind of trade him for equal value wide receiver two that maybe has a, a better quarterback, that's a move I'd like to make. And then Najee Harris, I already said it, I don't like selling when good assets are at a low, but he just is not looking good behind this offensive line. He's constantly getting hit either behind or right at the line of scrimmage. And it just made, he made his volume, you don't want to trade away that volume, but I don't know if the dude's averaged more than 4.1 yards of carry any given week so far. So... The volume's great, but if he's going to lose out on some targets and he's, he can't bust runs, then it's going to be really tough for him to provide a lot of value for your fantasy team. So if you can get good value for him, it is a move I'd be open to making as well. Yeah, basically all of our concerns about Najee Harris coming into this year have come to fruition thus far. We were concerned about the target share holding from last year. It has not. We were concerned that his rushing... Uh, you know, his rushing volume would increase and his efficiency wouldn't increase, they have not as well. So with those things, you're kind of looking at a guy that can't up the yardage on the rushing side, doesn't get a ton of passing work, and kind of needs the touchdowns that are hard to come by on a bad Pittsburgh offense. So uh, not a good combination there for Najee. And the next four games for the Steelers at Buffalo versus Tampa, at Miami, at Philly, Oh, no, thank you. That is that is a rough, rough go there. I think there's a very high chance they are 1-7 heading into uh, their ninth game there. Buffalo at Baltimore. Buffalo pulls this off 23-20. to Not quite the torrential downpour we were expecting, Cody, but the weather definitely did have an effect on the passers in this one. They were not nearly as efficient as we're used to seeing them. Um, but on the Buffalo side, there's not much here in the way of, you know, uh, changes to make, I don't think. Uh, obviously, Gabe Davis has been pretty disappointing so far this year, but I think especially with Crowder uh, going out now with that broken ankle, I'm buying low on the Bills wide receivers if I can. I just think this offense is one you want to attach yourself to, and with this condensation of targets, we're going to see all of them have better days ahead uh, on the Buffalo side. That's really all I have as far as changes go. I think Devin Singletary has kind of held his value at this point. You know, he's a solid flex play uh, with this current involvement that he has, and that's pretty much where he's going to live for the rest of the season, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it. Josh Allen's really good. Singletary's flex level. Diggs is a must-start every week. And then uh, Gabe Davis, if you're in a shallower league, maybe sit him until you kind of see it again. But if you're in most standard to deep leagues, then he's going to be started. And then like we mentioned earlier, if Isaiah McKenzie's out there on your waiver wire – I think he's worth a pickup. Um, oh, yeah. I don't want to brush over it, Nick. If you are you know, low on the wide receivers, would you be willing to go 10 15% on McKenzie, or would you rather save and wait for someone who's not going to be the third option on the team? Uh, depending on your league format, I might go even higher than that. I think he's guaranteed to have that slot role almost every snap now. That's kind of what we were talking about before uh, with you know the, the splitting of involvement between him and Crowder. We're not going to see that anymore. If uh, McKenzie finds himself on the, finds himself on the field for uh, seventy to eighty percent of the snaps, he's going to be a really solid option for this Bills passing attack. So I think uh, you've got to take the chance there and bet uh, bet on this Bills passing game. I'd be willing to throw twenty twenty five percent of my fab down on McKenzie if I was hurting at receiver, especially in PPR and uh, half PPR formats. All right, you heard it here. If you if you want McKenzie, go out there and get him. 
Absolutely. I, I just think he passes the eye test for me as well. He seems like a pretty good player. And again, this Buffalo passing attack is something I want a piece of. Um, and on the Ravens side, uh, obviously a down game for Mark Andrews, uh, down game for Rashad Bateman. But again, like I said, the passing uh, passing volume was pretty hard to come by on both sides in this one. So I'm not really worried about them long term. Rashad Bateman kind of is what he is. I think you have to expect he's going to be a boom bust flex level player being the number two in a Baltimore offense that's not going to be passing uh, as much as other offenses in the league. Uh, but the big story here is J.K. Dobbins had a really solid week, two touchdowns. Looks like he's getting more involved. Do you think Dobbins is a top 20 running back rest of season? Um, It's hard without getting, you know, thinking of every or having every name in front of me, but he definitely has the the skill set and the ability to be one. Um, would you would you if, be comfortable with him as your RB two right now? Yes, I was gonna say if you changed it to will he be a top two or an RB two in like a twelve man league then or twelve team league then yes, I would say he's gonna be in the top twenty four. Um, as long as there's no other injury or setback, he looked really good this past weekend, and he was still somewhat splitting carries with Justice Hill. So if he gets that all the workload, I think he could be really, really good for fantasy football. Um, it just depends on how how soon they're willing to kind of give him that extra workload. Yeah, you got to be encouraged with uh, what you saw from Dobbins this weekend. It's been pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, it's only been a couple games since he's come back from that injury. He will get healthier and better as the year goes on, uh, and this Baltimore offense will need a running back to step up. They can't rely on Mar to do everything for them all year. Yeah, four receptions, which is, I mean. That's I, very I, encouraging. Yeah, watching the Ravens, they don't dump the ball down too much with Lamar. He usually just takes off. So if he feels confident dumping it down to J.K. Dobbins, that's also a pretty big plus for you. Yeah, those those plays seem designed, uh, at least the ones that I saw. So that that is very encouraging. He, if he can end up, uh, you know, catching three or four balls a week, that's going to really really help his his floor in fantasy. Uh, Chargers at Houston. Uh, the Chargers, a nice bounce back win in this one. They they take it 34-24. Thought they might uh, Chargers this game up at the end there. Almost uh, let the Houston Texans come back in this one, but they sealed the deal in the fourth quarter. Nice bounce, nice bounce back for the whole offense. The big guys that you um, you know you're relying on did uh, cashed in for you. Austin Eckler, a three touchdown day, helping Cody take a win in our keeper league this week. And Mike Williams uh, didn't score, but 120 yards, he he paid off for you as well. Uh, the only disappointment, I think, really from this Chargers offense was uh, Josh Palmer, but he got injured, only played about half the snaps. I think, you know, anytime Keenan Allen's out, he's a fine flex level player, but, you know, you just kind of have to expect what you have to expect from a, a number two on an offense like this. But I think a solid day overall from the Chargers offense. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, and uh, Eckler kind of coming back to his previous season's form definitely helped me out quite a bit this week. Um, but I I think that we can expect to see, see him more involved now. Is he going to score three touchdowns every week? Obviously not. But if he can get the involvement that he had this week, then that's going to be very promising. Um, now the, my biggest question that I have for the chargers is if Keenan Allen comes back next week, do you still have confidence in Gerald Everett as a starting level tight end? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I would, I would say you can, you would, you'd fall back into that streaming category. Personally. Uh, I think Gerald Everett's role expands pretty substantially whenever Keenan's not on the field. So I, I don't think you have to drop him. I don't necessarily even think you have to replace him, but I just think you have to manage your expectations of Everett. He's probably going to fall back towards that streaming category, losing a couple targets with Allen on the field. 
Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you there. I have him in uh, two leagues, and I'm getting a little bit worried because he's been performing well. But once Allen comes back, I'm really worried to see what his involvement's going to look like. And on the Texan side, Damian Pierce, uh, over 130 yards, a score on the ground, had every single carry in this one for the Texans and ended up with six receptions as well on six targets, only eight yards on those six catches. So hopefully the efficiency can improve a little bit. But the fact that he was involved in the passing game was pretty uh, pretty encouraging. Would you say Damian Pierce is a top 15 running back rest of season? So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I, I can't think of... 15 that I would rather have more than him I guess right now just because his involvement's probably going to be just about everything but if I was holding one of those you know high-end RB2s and someone were to come to me with a Damian Pierce trade offer I would probably try to get something else along with Damian Pierce when I think about it that way so um, luckily I am, I have him in the majority of my league. So I mean, his value is insanely high right now, but top 15 is pretty tough. This is still a pretty bad offense overall. Um, I would probably would sell on top 15, but is he going to be a valuable fantasy running back for the rest of the season? Absolutely. Top 15 is just, it's a little too iffy for me still. Yeah, that's a little aggressive. Uh, I just really like what I've seen from him, and I think a lot of the the, the higher-end running backs have sort of come back to the field a little bit. So um, I think his value has gone up while a lot of running backs have come down. So I think he probably finds himself from 10 to 20 somewhere, whether it's the back end or the front end. Either way, he's been a good value and should be for the rest of the year, especially with this workload. And hopefully he can keep that uh, keep those receptions coming because that will keep his floor high in games where the Texans you know, don't stay with the, the competition. Even in this one, they went down pretty big early. I was kind of worried about Pierce, but he ended up having a great day, especially with that long touchdown run. And then a nice bounce back for Brandon Cooks. Um, he's still the leader in the, the receiving room for the Texans. Uh, Cleveland at Atlanta, uh, kind of a sloppy game on both sides. Atlanta ends up taking this one 23-20. Uh, sort of a tough game for Amari Cooper. We Mentioned it on the week four preview, but uh, he was covered by AJ Terrell on most of his uh, draw on most of Prezet's dropbacks. So I think you just have to come to expect a little bit of inconsistency with anybody that's catching the ball from Jacoby Brissett uh, on a week to week basis, especially when there's tough matchups involved. Um, I don't really have much more to add on the Browns. I mean, both the running backs again just are what they are. Hunt's had a few down weeks in a row, but he hasn't scored. I'm not necessarily worried about him as an option, especially with how uh, dreadful the running back position looks right now. Yep, I think he's a buy low candidate, um, especially if Nick Chubb. I mean, he's getting some good good amount of usage right now. So if he were to get banged up at all, I think Kareem Hunt, you know, immediately jumps up into that running back one category. So absolutely, uh, if you can go go out to that Hunt owner that might be needing a more solid flex option or wide or running back two option, uh, I would I would take a look at that trade offer. Um, and then, yeah, you, you said it right with both. I mean, Njoku had another pretty solid game, both Njoku and uh, Amari Cooper, the two main pass catchers. It's going to be inconsistent. Cooper is still in that boom-bust flex category because he could easily have another week like this. Uh, so just kind of is what it is with the Browns for right now. Njoku or Everett rest of season? Uh, I think I would go Njoku. Just the Everett thing, like you said, with, with Keenan out, Allen coming back and Joku, not Joku, Everett's going to move back to the third, you know, third passing option there. Maybe fourth if you include Eckler in that. And I think in Joku, you know, 
he's either the first or second passing option here, depending on the game script. I think he could get more work than Amari Cooper, you know, half of the weeks. And then you also have the potential upside of Deshaun Watson, maybe hopefully coming in and providing some, uh, you know, breath into this offense. So I'd go in Joku rest of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I think Njoku's worked his way into the the low end tier of starters for tight ends, which is not that high of a bar to clear with how bad tight end has been this year. But if you have Njoku, I think you can ride him out as your starter for now. Um, And on Atlanta's side, uh, I'm buying low on Drake London if you can. Uh, His target share has been absolutely elite this year. Atlanta only threw the ball 19 times in this one. They're definitely going to be a lot of run-heavy game scripts for Atlanta, but I think they will find themselves uh, trailing a little bit more often as the season goes on here, and they have some tougher competition. So if London can hold anywhere near his 32% target share he has right now when they're actually throwing the ball 25 or 30 times, he's going to have some better days ahead. He's actually he's just looked really good, too. He, he didn't drop a touchdown in this one. Uh, it was a nice play by the defensive back, but he was very close to catching a 25-yard touchdown that would have made his day look a lot different. And uh, I think the big story here, we talked about it earlier, Fordero on IR. He's going to be gone for four weeks. Our boy, Tyler Algier, Cody, gets his shot here. Um, hopefully you stashed him and you listened to us because if you do, you have a at least a flex-level player right now. Uh, they do have a tough matchup against Tampa Bay this week, so temper your expectations. But if you're RB needy, and you probably are, and he's on the waiver wire, I'm willing to dump 30 35% of my fab on him. Um, I think you're not going all out just because, again, Cordero will be back. And the other guy here, Caleb Huntley, also pretty involved in this one. Looks like they're pretty determined to use a two-back set. So I think I would be willing to spend uh, 10 to 15% on Huntley as well if you're RB needy. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pretty good assumption there. And if Algiers rostered on a pretty good team, you might be able to get him uh, for maybe a, a you know low-end asset. So definitely someone I would target throughout the week. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on Drake London. I think it's going to be hard to buy low on him off of one bad week, especially the way he's performed so far. But if you can, absolutely do so. The The name that I think you know most people who have a piece of Atlanta are concerned about is Kyle Pitts. Um, I mean, <laughs> do you just – I guess you just have to start him every week and just hope that he finally has a good game? Or, I mean – do you think he has any trade value? If you're a Kyle Pitts owner, like what what do you what is your strategy at tight end right now? Well, with how bad the position is, I just don't know how you can move off of him, especially with the draft capital you spent on him. Uh, if you ended up picking up Tyler Higby for some reason and made him your backup tight end, then you can go ahead and start Higby over uh, Pitts until he snaps out of this funk. But uh, yeah, I just don't see him being replaced with a streaming level player right now. And most people that drafted Pitts didn't draft a second tight end, which I think was the right strategy. It just hasn't worked out so far. So uh, I, I feel like you're pretty much just stuck starting him for now. I mean, would you try to move off him, Cody? I, I don't really see how you could do that. Yeah, I don't really see how you can do it either unless you can get another tight end that you feel comfortable starting. I just have one name I'm going to throw out there. I'm pretty sure I know how the way you're going to answer, but Kyle Pitts or TJ Hawkinson rest of season? Oh, man, that is a good one. Um, I'm, I'm kinda, I am I'm have to lean Kyle Pitts. I just have to. I think uh, Hawkinson yeah, your obviously philosophy. had... Your philosophy leans Kyle Pitts all the way for sure. Yeah, exactly. So. I just shoot for the upside when it comes to these these types of players. And Hawkinson again, an absolutely 
nuclear week this week against Seattle yeah, that we'll get into later. <laughs> Goodness. But uh, again, we had no DJ Chark, no Amonra St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift in this one. So really uh, just kind of a condensation of the uh, the offense here for Kyle, for Hawkinson. I think if those guys were out long-term, I'd be more bullish. But when St. Brown comes back, I don't expect that type of target share for Hawkinson. Um, anything else on the Browns or the Falcons? Nope, I think we're good. Commanders and Cowboys. Uh, Dallas won this one 25 to 10. Pretty uh, easy victory for them, uh, in my mind. They, they kind of, the, the defense really just showed out in this one. The, the Commanders' offense could not get much going in this, uh, this game at all. Uh, I think there's better days ahead for the Washington offense, uh, mostly uh, for the auxiliary pieces as far as the pass catchers go. I think they'll, you know, they're still going to be valuable assets moving forward with this type of target share. Uh, the Antonio Gibson's the only guy I think you've really missed your window to sell high on if you haven't already. He was pretty much being, you know, 50-50 on the field in this one. Uh, they were even giving some carries to Jonathan Williams. It just doesn't seem like they have been too thrilled with how Gibson's played so far and with uh, Robinson potentially coming back his his role might be completely phased out of this offense if he doesn't show up in the next couple weeks um but yeah I think you just kind of have to manage your expectations with this Washington offense moving forward they are prone to having these type of weeks yeah I think that this is definitely something that you know I I was kind of privy to whenever they were kind of lighting it up through the first couple weeks you know these ancillary Ancillary pieces, Dotson, Sam Miller definitely gonna have down weeks, but I'm mostly concerned with Terry McLaurin. I mean, two for 15, Oof. had six six targets. You know, the other guys you may have paid some fab for, or maybe a really late round pick, but McLaurin was a still was still a middle round pick, drafted as your wide receiver too. He's the one I'm most concerned about right now. Um, I mean, I'll throw out a name for you that I feel like is in the similar category: Terry McLaurin or Deontay Johnson. Rest of the season. Oh. Can I just not, please? Right. Um, <laughs> um, I think I would still lean Terry just because I think his role in this offense is guaranteed. But with the switch to Pickett, I just do not know what to expect out of the Steelers. And again, like we said before, that tough schedule coming up makes me want to fade basically any Steeler option that I have right now. So yeah. I think I'd I just still want to get McLaurin. Not a strong lean, though, by any means. If you want to go Johnson, I don't really blame you. Yeah. No, I just wanted to get a temperature check on McLaurin because I'm definitely concerned. I mean, he's kind of a. Uh... Kind of moving down to that boom bust flex option as opposed to a solid wide receiver two for you. So that's going to yeah. be tough. And then the running backs here, I mean, in deep leagues, in Gibson, it's going to be hard not to start Gibson, but he's, his role is really fading out a lot, especially towards the end of the game. But uh, McKissick looked all right running the ball. In PPR leagues, McKissick's a guy that if he's still out there, which I doubt he is at this point, I would uh, be looking to add because – they may just move to him before uh, Brian Robinson comes back, as weird as that may sound. On the Dallas side of things, Cooper Rush continues to play well. Uh, I think he has shown that you know these, these assets are not going to be completely tanked on the receiving side, especially C.D. Lamb. He's shown a propensity to uh, hyper-target him, and he's been really good the past few weeks, so that's good to see. That just, just knowing that even if Dak's out, this offense can still function with Rush under center. But, uh, Cody, I'm going to kick this one to you because I honestly don't know what to make of this Dallas backfield. Elliott uh, had a, lot, a much higher share of the carries and touches in this one than he has in the last couple weeks. Uh, didn't really do a ton with them, but uh, Pollard did not have a great day either. I, I really just don't know what to feel about these running backs moving forward. Yeah, I mean, 
to me, this comes down to... I, I did not watch this game. I have not watched it yet, but I would have to assume Pollard just looked rough out there. I mean, for him to only get three targets, catch one for two yards, that's pretty surprising. Like, like I said last week when you asked me if I'd rather have Elliott or Pollard, I leaned Elliott because I felt like Pollard was just going to... you know His value was going to come the majority of the time through the air. So to see him kind of taken out of that role is a little bit concerning, but... Um, I still, I mean, I, I think they're kind of still the same. I think I see Zeke as a low-end running back, too, and Pollard as a fine flex option in PPR leagues. But it is scary to see this kind of floor for Pollard, um, especially off the you know couple good weeks that he had. Yeah, that was definitely really disappointing to see Pollard totally dud there. Um, again, he just didn't look like the guy we've seen the past few weeks. I think that's just a, a you know, a a consequence of the limited opportunity that he gets most weeks. He's just going to have some weeks where the first couple carries don't go well. And, you know, his opportunities are not that of a RB one. So he has only a few to, to make an impression. Cody, I know uh, he's your boy, Dalton Schultz. This three targets, zero catches in this one. He has not had a great start to this year. Are you buying low on him with that coming back? Or are you out on Dalton Schultz? Um, I'm definitely not out on him because I think he will be a um, a good, a big, a, not a big, but he will be a decent part of this offense, and he's going to be the clear tight end one there. Um, but this is his first game back from injury. He was kind of questionable leading all the way up until the game, so I'm not going to hold this one against him. Um, probably still somewhat banged up in there, so not going to discredit him too much but if the Schultz owner is needing you know a low-end starting tight end and you have one and you can package him with or even if you could just if you could trade you might be able to get Dalton Schultz for a low-end starter and I think Schultz will will end the season at a higher value than that so if you can go buy low on him I think that's still a fine option I just I wouldn't trade too much for sure because you know, with the injury, there's always the risk of re-injury. Plus, you know, the quarterback situation there, and when is Dak going to get back, and how's his finger going to look, and all kinds of question marks. So, would I buy low? Yes, but I would just be careful how much you are paying up to get Dalton Schultz. Seattle at Detroit, uh, the most entertaining game of the week, bar none, in my opinion. Seattle wins this one 48-45. We have a scoregami in this one, Cody. I'm not sure if you are familiar with the term, but that means it was a unique score in the NFL, which are very hard to come by this late in the game in the, the NFL you know, lore. It's something that doesn't happen very often, so I like to celebrate it when it does. Uh, but uh, this game was really entertaining from start to finish. We have two really, really bad defenses in this one. I think that's just my main takeaway. Uh, for the Seattle guys, I am selling, selling, selling on every single one of them. Detroit is the ideal fantasy matchup because they, you know, they have a bad defense, but coupled with that bad defense is a pretty good offense. So they, they kind of make you keep up with them while also allowing tons of yards and points. So it is really just, you know, all the fantasy options are going to be boosted when you play against Detroit. So I think uh, post-Detroit weeks are going to be a common sell-high theme for guys we don't really believe in long-term, and that's how I feel about basically all everyone on Seattle. Yeah, so is that does that include Rashad Penny? You'd be looking to sell him. You don't think this will last? I, I mean, he's just had injury issues in the past, and you have the uh, the second-round rookie uh, on the, the back end there as well. So I think there's a chance that he emerges later in this year, whether or not Penny gets hurt. But you have the, the you know high injury risk on top of that, so I'd be selling Penny for sure. 
We've seen yeah, him have kind spend... of a low floor anyway, even without you know uh, Walker in the lineup. Yeah, if you're if you're selling Penny, I'm gonna try to try to take Penny and make him a two for one uh, for someone that I'd find more consistent. But it, I would. There's not very many you know running back you know low end running back two options kind of in the same category as Penny that I would just trade straight up for each other. So I would try to package him to go get someone else. If you're gonna trade like a one for one on someone relatively the same level, I kind of like the, that Penny has this kind of game in his bag. So. Uh, I would maybe hold on to Penny, just depends on what I can get. But Metcalf and Lockett, if you can sell, absolutely do it. Um, like you said, Detroit's just a team that you can absolutely tear up. So I think that's going to be a common theme that we may find in this podcast is post-Detroit weeks before the trade deadline, trade high on uh, kind of low-end assets. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. And uh, on the Detroit side, I would say pretty much the same selling high to the extent that you can. Uh, again, a lot of the the really relevant options weren't really here in this one. Uh, I mean, and then uh, Jamal Williams is kind of a hard one. I, I don't really think you can sell a high on him because most people know Swift is coming back and he's just been really good. So I think you're probably just going to have to ride him out for as long as he's valuable. And uh, Hawkinson, I think, is really the, the guy I want to focus on here as far as selling high. Um, if you can get anybody to believe that this week was anything other than an anomaly, then I'm going to take it because... Hawkinson just really hasn't shown us this ridiculous upside that he had in this one. But if you can get anybody to bite, I would go ahead and take it. Yeah, I, I do like that Hawkinson has shown that he is capable of these kind of games. Maybe that kind of will get him a little bit more of a target share in that offense. But I think Amon Ross St. Brown's the number one guy. You still have Jamison Williams coming back as well as um, DeAndre Swift, who's you know really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. So you can trade Hawkinson, you know, package him or maybe trade him for someone of a similar level, I would look into doing that for sure. Would you, I'm assuming you would trade, because we, we know how Monday night turned out. Kittle had a pretty rough week. Would you trade Hawkinson for Kittle? I, I think that's a great, great uh, idea there. I think I would go with, uh, I think you could probably try to get Kittle and something else, honestly, with how, Ooh, how he has I'd been be. this year and just how good Hawkinson was last week. But I, I think if you had to do it straight up, I would, I would take Kittle rest of season over Hawkinson. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I would as well, especially with Jimmy G at quarterback. You know, Kittle's still kind of coming off of the injury that he started the season with. So, and once with Trent Williams being out, he's going to have to be kind of stuck in blocking. So, uh, maybe even after next week, if he has another bad game, I would definitely go get George Kittle. Once that offensive line's solid, he'll be kind of more involved in that passing game. Yeah, and then uh, another note on the Lions. I think Jared Goff has worked his way into solid streaming category. Yeah, uh, the only reason I'm not – yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would be even higher on him if the upcoming schedule wasn't so rough. They do – they play at New England next week, then at Dallas, and then versus Miami and versus Green Bay. Lots of tough defenses coming up for Detroit. This offense will be put to the test in those games. Um, Chicago at New York, uh, really going from the highs of highs of NFL football to the lows of lows of NFL football here. The Giants winning this one 20 to 12, two teams that employ pretty similar philosophies, uh, when it comes to running the ball in this one, uh, on the Chicago side, I, there's really not much here at all until this passing possible, or excuse me. Passing volume gets better. You really can't even consider any of the receiving options. A nice bounce back beat for Darnell Mooney. If you want to hold them on your bench, go ahead and hope uh, that you know Chicago decides to open up this offense a little bit. But until then, I think you're starting whoever the starter is, whether it be Montgomery or Herbert in the backfield. But that's the only consideration I'm making for Chicago. 
Yeah, I mean, if you paid up for Herbert last week or two weeks ago, you definitely, it paid out for you because he was the clear guy there. So I think as long as Montgomery is out, he should be good. Um, and then these passing options, I mean, Cole Komet, 3 for 3 for 16, and then Darnell Mooney, 4 for 5 for 94, but, you know, 60% of that 94 came off of one play. So I think... I, you gotta. I mean, if you are in a really deep league and there's no one worth dropping Mooney for, he's a fine hold. But I, it, if there's someone out there to get, you gotta go get him. You gotta cut bait. Yeah, Justin Fields was 11 of 22 in this one for 174 yards, and he set uh, yearly highs in all three of those categories in Week Four. So that is just not going to get it done from a fantasy perspective. Um, and on the Giants side. Uh, I think it's pretty much the same thing, honestly. Right now, I mean, if you want to, again, if you want to stash a Kadarius Tony or a Wandale Robinson, I would actually lean Wandale at this point, uh, just because Tony cannot stay on the field. Unfortunately, he looks like such a good player when he's out there, but that's really the only uh, even option I'm slightly considering from the Giants' passing game. And uh, yeah, Saquon is really good. He might be the is he the RB one for you rest of season? Um, I think so, yes. But who was the wide receiver that you mentioned? I kind of missed that part. Um, I, I'd just say uh, Wandale and Tony. Or if you want to stash one of them, go ahead. But yeah, those are the only two I'm even looking at from the Giants passing game. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. Uh, Richie James, I, if you listened to our advice and you had to start him, I'm sorry, that was bad advice. <laughs> that was that was a rough game from him and from anyone in this passing attack. But uh, back to Saquon Barkley. I think so. I I don't know, you know, just going through the list who I would rather have rest of season. He looks really good. This offense is going to be ran completely through him pretty much. So, I mean, he had 31 carries. The only the only thing you're worried about when someone's getting 31 carries is potential wear down or injury risk. <laughs> that is elite uh elite level of volume. So, I I think he is RB1 rest of season from this point. You know, there's a couple of guys up there that have kind of struggled that may be able to get it back. But at this point, if we went to go redraft, I mean, I guess the way to ask it is, would you take Saquon 101 in a redraft? I don't think so. I think I would take Cooper Cup 101 in a redraft. But I think I would take Saquon first out of the running backs. So okay. I, I would call That's him fair. my Cooper RB1. Cooper doing his thing again. So but, yeah, yeah he might not even be my second player off the board. I think that might be Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews just because of the way the tight end okay. position is shaped fair up enough. this year. Um, but, yeah, but Saquon's he very good. running back drafted. So, yeah, that's a guess. I think so. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah, I maybe not a Maybe not a strong lean between him and Taylor. I still believe in him rest of season, but I, I think I would have to go Saquon at this point. I think you brought up a pretty interesting point there. It's not very often that you wish your fantasy players were getting less opportunity, but it's going to be hard for Saquon to stay healthy all year if he's getting 33 opportunities every game. But while he's out there and while he's being uh, featured, he's going to be very good. So uh, good things for Saquon, and that's about it for the Giants. Jacksonville at Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia ends up pulling this one out 29-21. Jacksonville started out hot, uh, had a 14-0 lead, but then Philadelphia really just kind of took over after that. This game, I think more than any other, was really affected by the weather, and uh, you could tell that from the Jacksonville side especially. Uh, just a tough day at the office for the offense, uh, but again, uh, some weather concerns and a really good defense on the road. I'm not really going to hold this one against them too much. Better days ahead for Christian Kirk. Uh, for James Robinson, and uh, I think 
the the big thing is here, uh, you, you kind of just have to expect that if the Jags are down big, Robinson can be kind of phased out of this game plan. Looks like ETN is going to be the guy if they're down multiple scores and just, you know, they say, you know, screw it to Which running makes the sense. ball. Yeah, it, yeah, that does profile. You know, that would that would fit the profile of these two backs. So you, you, you shouldn't be that, that surprised by that, but just know that Robinson does have a pretty low floor if uh, the Jacksonville is to go down big like they did in this one. Yeah, my, my Jacksonville Jaguar jersey was about to get ordered when they were up 14-0. I was, <laughs> I was all in on the Jacksonville train. I was so excited. And then uh, for every fumble that Trevor Lawrence had, oh, it, it just slowly, slowly just killed me. So um, I think the Jags are a, a pretty good team for the rest of the season. So I think their offensive weapons are fine. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, rough day, couldn't hold on to the ball in those conditions. I don't think that's going to be something that you're, that's going to haunt him, but it's something to keep your eye out there. Um, and I still think he's he's, I think he's on a high end of streamer for me. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot more than the industry, but if you're in a one quarterback league who's with a struggling quarterback, uh, I think he's someone you may want to take a look at. Yeah, I put him firmly in the same category as Jared Goff rest of season. I think he's a usable asset for sure, but again, he is still young and growing, and he will be prone to games like this. Four lost fumbles for Trevor Lawrence, to your point. That yeah. is pretty astounding. Um, on the Philly side, Miles Sanders, 27 carries, 134 yards, two scores. Um, he looks fantastic. Looks like the clear leader in this room. Uh, is Miles Sanders a top 20 back rest of season? I think he is. I think he's the clear leader of this room. That's That was the most important thing. I think the biggest reason I was down on him at draft time is I thought this was going to be a committee, uh, running back by committee, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, the only thing you're worried about with Miles Sanders is Jalen Hurts stealing his touchdowns. So I think he's he should be a locked and loaded uh, top 20, may, could potentially even break into top 15 because this, this offensive line's amazing. Um, but I want to kind of turn your own questions against you here real quick. Miles Sanders or Damian Pierce rest of season? Mm, that is a philosophical conundrum there. Um, I think, oh man, I, I think I'm going to go Damian Pierce just because of the workload. And I do think your, your point is well taken there with the touchdowns. I, I, I find it hard to believe Miles Sanders will have another two touchdown game this year. Uh, he, Kenneth Gainwell found some uh, goal line work. He ended up scoring a goal line touchdown as well in this one. So I think Sanders just kind of lucked into those two touchdowns. That's not really his game. Hasn't been as an Eagle. So he's going to struggle to score touchdowns consistently. I'll go with Pierce for the upside on the touchdown department. Fair enough. And uh, the rest of the options, uh, Goddard had a solid day, A.J. Brown another solid day, Devontae Smith a uh, pretty big bust. But again, if you want the weeks like he had against Washington, you're just going to have to roll them out there every week. I'm not really worried about it. This is just kind of what you have to live with in this low-volume passing offenses like uh, you know the Eagles or Baltimore. Um, yep, I completely agree with Devontae Smith. Now, I, I do have one more stupid tight end question here for you. If you were the Dallas Goddard owner and you got a trade offer, you would send Dallas Goddard and you would get back Kyle Pitts. Would you accept or decline that trade offer? No, I would keep Dallas Goddard. I just I, I think he's a, yeah. I think he's a really good player. And if Jalen Hurts ever decides to throw his giant tight end the ball in the red zone, which for some reason he never does, I saw a stat. Uh, somewhere today, Dallas Goddard, since the start of the 2021 season, has two end zone targets. Mark Andrews has 20. So if Dallas Goddard could just get a few more end zone targets, he might be able to vault himself into the top three tight ends. We could be talking about, you know, Andrews, 
Kelsey and then Goddard right behind them. But uh, as it is now, he's still been a really solid play and he's on a very good offense. I see no reason to believe that he will, you know, fall off as the year goes on. I think he's just a lot safer than Kyle Pitts is right now. Um, Arizona at Carolina, another kind of a stinker of a game. That's sort of what we expected going into this one. Arizona pulls it off 26 to 16. And on the Arizona side, man, this offense just does not look easy right now. It's really all Kyler Murray. Uh, He's kind of just playing hero ball back there, but uh, it works for fantasy. He scored three touchdowns. He was fine on that end. If he's your quarterback, I think he'll be just fine moving forward, especially considering he'll be getting Hopkins back in a couple weeks. Uh, And then Rondell Moore will be getting healthier as well. So hopefully that helps this passing game in Arizona. James Conner is the real concern. It does not look great. The other guys are getting more involved in this one, too. I think if Conner has a couple more bad weeks, he might end up, you know, finding himself in a timeshare with Darrell Williams. And uh, the other name is escaping me, Eno Benjamin. Uh, Those two got more involved this week. If that continues, his his upside, or excuse me, his floor is just going to be, you know, not what you need it to be for someone that doesn't have much of an upside right now. So I'm a little concerned about Conner. Yeah, I I definitely understand that. So with Kyler, he they go they play Philadelphia at home. I think that he could potentially have a rough week against Philadelphia, and then I think Kyler Murray's definitely in the buy low category because um, after that he will get a few pretty bad defenses in a row, and he's going to get DeAndre Hopkins back in that stretch. So um, I, if you can get him this week. That's fine, but his upside is going to probably be capped against the Eagles. Um, may, maybe you can get him for a little less next week. And then, yeah, I, I agree with you when it comes to Connor. Um, I, I don't know if you could really even sell him at the value he's at right now, but if you can get some name value for him, definitely something I would consider looking looking at. Yeah, if you can get the uh, a desperate Javante Williams owner to, to give up you know high-end RB2 really value for idea. Connor, yeah. I, I might try to capitalize on it. Uh, it is just, it's really tough right now because, like we said, the RB position is so uh, thin, so it's it's hard to get rid of guys that are getting consistent work like Connor is, but it just does not look great. Everything looks, every yard is just a struggle for this running game right now, so I would try to move off it if I could, but it's going to be hard to do that right now. And I, Cody, I don't want to talk about the Panthers. I, I, I feel like I have to because we're running a fantasy football podcast and we're doing this for the people, but I just don't want to talk about them. They are horrible at offense and it's really gross to watch. Baker Mayfield looks really bad. I think unofficially he had 27 of his passes batted down this weekend. I don't know if you watched any of that game, but Every time he dropped back, it seemed like he was getting that ball batted down at the line. Teams kind of have the book on him. Um, I I don't know how you can really count on anyone in this on this on this offense right now. Not named Christian McCaffrey. It was good to see him get uh, more involved in the receiving game. So kudos to uh, the, the the Panthers brass for that. But other than that, I think you're full avoid until you see it. Uh, they did try to get DJ Moore more involved this week, but that led to six catches and 50 yards on 11 targets. It just it just has not been there for the passing game. Yeah, I think it's just clear to say Baker Mayfield's not an NFL-level quarterback anymore. I, I don't know why people are still making excuses for him. He looks terrible out there. The only, the only good thing about this Carolina offense from this weekend was Christian McCaffrey got nine targets, caught all nine of them for 81 yards and a touchdown. Thankfully, he finally found his, you know, elite-level running back he can dump the ball down to. But other than that, I will not trust another Baker Mayfield uh, option. I, I mean, I was... 
DJ Moore, you can hold on to him and try and sell him for you know value if he has a boom week. But I mean, he's he's streaming more towards a Darnell Mooney for me than someone that you're going to be able to trade for a whole lot. So and that's just rough. I don't want to spend any more time talking about Carolina because I just hate Baker Mayfield and he ruined DJ Moore. <laughs> yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about Carolina is that I, I probably wouldn't drop DJ Moore. I might just try to wait until he has a big week and then sell him. I just yep. think you could you could probably get something for him if he has one of those weeks. But man, I would sell him at a the drop of a hat if he has a big week next week for sure. It just does not look like it's going to be consistent. Yeah, if you're holding him, it's got to be to try and trade him for value because you don't want to drop. You, you spent too high of a draft pick. You're still thinking about the draft, and you don't want to have to drop someone that was a fourth round pick. So you're holding on to him, but. If he has that boom week and someone's going to give you a flex level player that you're more confident in, take it 100%. Yeah, if you're one and three and zero and four and you got to make a move, I am totally down with. Uh, you know, you got to be benching DJ Moore right now. You can't keep rolling him out there. Yeah, uh, Cody, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead on this next game because it it just makes me sad. Yeah, well, Denver lost. Um, thank you. I I didn't know that actually, but yeah, thank you. yeah. Las Vegas won 32-23. Um, you know, unfortunately, I did not get to watch too much of this game. I was uh, busy during the 3 o'clock stretch, even though I wish I could have watched every second of it, except for the part where Javante Williams got hurt, because for fantasy, that sucks. Um, but, you know, overall, the Denver offense had a little bit of a bounce back. Um, the receiving options you feel fine with, but, you know, with Javante being out, I mean, your confidence in Melvin Gordon has to go up, but... Obviously, the big name a lot of people are going to be curious about is Mike Boone. Um, is he someone you're willing to drop a good amount of fab on, or do you think they're going to move to just mostly Melvin Gordon? What's as a as a Denver Broncos fan, what do you see the team doing? I would probably look a little bit more into this Latavius Murray signing. I kind of want to see if the the beat writers around the team are thinking that's a little bit more because of this Melvin Gordon injury that uh, he's dealing with right now, if this is just injury insurance uh, for Melvin Gordon, or if Murray will factor into this backfield long term. But I think if, uh, if it comes out that Murray is basically just injury insurance for Gordon, I would be dropping a decent amount on Boone. Again, he's going to be splitting with uh, Melvin Gordon, but... Here's the thing. Gordon has fumbled four times already this year. Uh, Boone basically took over the lead in the, in the, in the snaps after Javante got hurt because he was being you know punished by the coaching staff for his fumble in that game that basically lost it for them. Uh, Oakland returned it for a 65-yard touchdown in the second quarter there, but um, I think that Gordon, if he fumbles one or two more times in the next couple of weeks, you could just see Boone be the guy. And if he's the guy on a good offense, I mean, that's that's something that's hard to find in fantasy, especially at this time of the year. So I'd be willing to drop uh, 25 to 30 percent on him, especially if you are the Javante owner. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, on the Oakland side, um, not much in the way of, uh, you know, passing game that we need to talk about uh Devonte adams had a pretty good day but uh, Derek carr didn't have to do much just because our boy josh jacobs absolutely showed out 28 carries 144 yards two scores hopefully you bought low on him because you're not going to be able to now um his passing game involvement continued to you know be there as well so that was really good to see from josh jacobs he looks like a very very solid rb2 rest of the season yeah this is my this is my take that I might just ride to retirement. I can't believe how good Josh Jacobs was this weekend. And I've been high on him since the draft season. So I felt so good 
when I look at that stat line on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I hope you bought low on him because I don't think that the uh, Jacobs owner is going to be giving him up for much less than uh, – uh, I don't know. I mean, if you if you had to try and go get Josh Jacobs, I mean, you gotta you gotta either come with a really good package of another running back too and a wide receiver, or I don't know. Well, I mean, rest of season is Jacobs top fifteen for you, or is that is that maybe a little too high? I think that's probably right about where he'd fall. I think it'd be high end RB two, so you know anywhere from thirteen to eighteen, give or take, uh, with whatever your league size is, might change that, but. Um, I think I'd put him solidly in the high-end RB2 category. I think this might be a little bit of a tough trade to make because it's sort of buying high and selling high at the same time. But if you can trade Clyde for Josh Jacobs somehow, I would definitely do that. I think I'd rather have Josh the rest of the year. His workload is just going to offer way more consistency in my mind. How about you? What would you uh, do there, Josh Jacobs or Clyde, rest of season? Uh, that one's tough, but I know we're going about to get into Clyde. I am going to hold on on that one for just a second. I'm going to answer that when we get to Clyde. I'm going to think about it. Fair enough. We'll uh, give you one game in between to think about it. That is the Patriots at the Packers. Ended up being a pretty good one. Uh, The Green Bay pulls it out 27-24 in overtime. Uh, On the New England side, uh, they were down to Bailey Zappi in this one. Brian Hoyer got hurt pretty early on, but they still showed fight. Almost ended up uh, upsetting the Packers on the road with the third-string quarterback in. Um, But I think the story for the fantasy side of things for New England is the running backs. seems like they're both pretty much 50-50 at this point. Uh, The snaps are pretty even, and the touches have been pretty even as well. So I think you can pretty much consider both of them solid flex plays, maybe even low-end RB2s in the right situation just because, uh, again, running back has been really tough this year, and both these guys have value if the Patriots are going to be this committed to the run. This profile is a pretty tough matchup for them, and both of them ended up having solid days. Harris uh, getting in the end zone, and then Stevenson, Caught a couple passes uh, to save his baseline. So I, I like both of them right now. I think they're they're solid values, uh, if unspectacular. Yeah, these are definitely players you want to put in your lineup when you feel like you have a uh, an easier week. Maybe you're playing against the, the manager in your league that is having a rough year, and you just need some solid floor player in your flex. Either of these two guys are good options. I think their ceilings are a little bit limited by each other, mostly. Um, but I think they're both, like you said, solid flex options to potentially running back too. If you're, if you know, you know, kind of, kind of iffy at the running back position. And Cody, I think we're going to talk trade on Ramondre Stevenson at some point. He's on your on your bench in our keeper league. I'm running back needy, and uh, you have some to spare. So we we might have some conversations after this pod is over. But um, right. I'm still I'm still formulating the deal. Maybe I can try to get it done uh, on the pod here. That might be pretty entertaining. On the Green Bay side, um, I think I'm buying low on A.J. Dillon. He has not – I don't know if he scored yet this year. If he did, I think it was week one. I don't think he scored since week one at the very least. Uh, so I think his value is probably a little bit lower than uh, you know it should be right now. He's still been solidly involved, you know, 15 to 20 carries pretty much every week and, again, has that absolutely elite week, uh, league-winning upside if Jones is ever to go down. So – I think Dylan better days ahead are for or better days ahead for him, and you know he's he's still seeing that workload that we like to see from uh, from running backs. It's just really hard to find good ones right now. So Dylan may still be kind of hard to come by on the trade market. But um, what do you think about Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs, Cody? Who are you taking rest of season? Uh, oh man, that is that is tough. Um, let me 
pull up their stat line real quick. Lazard, 6 for 8, 116. Dubs, 5 for 8 for 47. Um, You know, I don't know. Because the thing is, we have both these guys, and we actually have their higher draft pick, Christian Watson, who went 1 for 3 for 8 yards, who I think deserves at least some kind of respect fantasy-wise. Maybe not to be rostered, but someone on the radar. I think I'm going to lean Lazard. He's just the more experienced wide receiver. That's the way Aaron Rodgers typically has, you know, it's typically who has led his offenses. So I'm going to go Lazard, but it's not very confident. I don't really have a lot of confidence in the Green Bay passing options on a week-to-week basis. They, I would say they're slightly better versions of the Chiefs wide receiver options. That's a great comparison to make there. Uh, I think the Chiefs and the Packers guys are really similar. I, I think that's... I was going to say Dobbs, uh, and I still probably would, I think, just because he's a little bit of a less known asset than Lazard. I think Dobbs could find an upside that Lazard just does not have in him uh, because yeah. we just don't know what Dobbs is yet. But uh, I think the, the the general point that you made there is more important. I'm probably out on these Green Bay guys at their current value. I don't know if we're going to see the condensation of targets that we saw this week between Lazard and Dobbs continue. I could easily see you know, Randall Cobb getting worked in next week then having a Robert Tunyon week, and then maybe Christian Watson gets more involved. I just think the the targets are going to be spread out a little bit more than they have been the last two weeks. So I might be trying to sell high on these guys if you can get really good value for them, but you're probably just riding it out with whoever you have. I think I agree with that. And, Cody, uh, we are getting finally to this Sunday night game here, Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Kansas City wins at 41-31. They looked unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball against a fantastic defense or at least one that had been really good to this point um if we redrafted today how high would travis kelsey go for you cody oh man um i mean i would i would have to look at it at a from a traditional uh stance i think it'd probably be there's probably still a couple running backs i'm going to take before him i think cooper cup's still before him but i think he's where we had Justin Jefferson at, I think, in drafts, kind of in that 5-6 area, I think that's where Travis Kelsey should have been going in drafts. Yeah, he's incredible, and the you know the disparity between the top tight ends has grown even larger than we thought it would be at the beginning of the year, and we thought it would be pretty large. The positional advantage he provides is just immense, and it is really hard to make up. You know, you have to be 10 points better than your opponent if they have Travis Kelsey and you don't have Mark Andrews. It's it's just a tough uh, advantage to, you know, get over every single week. So having Kelsey is, um, you know, if you have him right now, you feel great. And if you don't have one of those guys, you're pretty much just, you know, week to week just hoping with whoever you do have. So Kelsey does provide a ridiculously high advantage right now on the tight end position. And Clyde, we've talked about a lot so far. Um, obviously, we're selling high on him. I am probably a little bit more than you, but I'm shooting for the moon right now. He's currently RB4. I think you can probably get low-end RB1, maybe high-end RB2 value for him. And if you can, I'm taking it again because uh, the snaps have just not been there for Clyde. He's still splitting work, whether it be with Pacheco or uh, McKinnon. Looks like Pacheco might emerge as the, the number two there. But, you know, I just don't have confidence that he's going to keep seeing these touchdowns every week. Yeah, I, I agree with you. For one, I think when I watched the game, Pacheco actually looked really good. That he guy won the ball hard. He, like he looks really he, good. If there's a hole, he is just going to put all of his force just straight straight into it. So I, I like him a lot just on a long-term basis. I don't know if his fantasy value is going to be too high unless Clyde were to go down. But 
Uh, McKinnon kind of got a little bit worked out. He did get a goal line carry that he missed out on, but I think Pacheco may be the number two guy here that I want. Um, but again, I just want to highlight he's only been you know used a lot in two games, and they were both the games where the Chiefs were blowing out the other team. So maybe temper the brakes a little bit on there, but I, I still like Pacheco for just upside value at the running back position, especially if Clyde were to go down. And about my boy Clyde, I think, like you have in the show doc here, shoot for the moon when it comes to Clyde. This is, you're coming off a week where no one can tell you, you know, a negative about Clyde. He got the carry volume that everybody wants him to have. He got, you know, he was pretty um, efficient with the opportunities that he had. He still saw the passing game work, got in the end zone through the air, so... um, not a lot of passing game work. He did only have two targets, but he did get the touchdown through the air. This is the week. Go out there. Go try and trade for a Dalvin Cook. I think that's a great name you can target. Um, gosh, if the Jonathan Taylor owner is 0-4 potentially, I, I mean, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire and a wide receiver too may get it done for you. So Make that may be shooting for the moon, but that's what you got to do right now. I mean, this is... I said last week his value had not been higher since before the his, you know, rookie year, and I think it maybe have just gone up a little bit more. So go out there and sell him this week. I think one more point on Pacheco here. Um, I really did like what I saw. I think he was actually more involved while the game was close. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a week one that was pretty similar. He had twelve carries for sixty two yards in week one. Uh, this this week he had 11 for 63, but I think the reason we're a lot more excited about this one is that the uh, the first week was a lot of pretty you know he he got 10 of those 12 in fourth quarter when they were blowing them out. This game, pretty much him and Clyde were splitting the work until the fourth quarter when Clyde took over and just kind of ran the clock out for the Chiefs at that point. So, Clyde uh, Pacheco, to your point, his longest carry of the night was only nine yards, and he still averaged 5.7 a carry. He was just falling forward. Four yards here, seven yards there, six yards there, just chunk after chunk. He looked really he, good. He was I doing think. what Najee doesn't. He was just hitting the hole hard and getting yep. those four to five yards on just about every time he touched the football. Whereas, like we have mentioned, Najee kind of bounces around in the backfield. So this is, I mean, I think I know where you're going to go here, but if you had to trade CEH and a flex-level player for Najee, would you do that? Or would you just hold on to CEH and the flex-level player? I, I would hold on to CEH. I think if you're trading CEH for Najee, Najee owner is giving you something back, uh, and that's yeah. the only way that I'm I'm going that route. But uh, back to Pacheco real quick. I think if you're a, if you're a Javante owner, that's the type of guy that I would go pick up off the waiver wire, maybe even drop five to ten percent of my fab on if he's available, just because he has a pretty high upside in my mind. Yeah. Um, on the Buck side, good bounce back for Brady. Uh, I, 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 not too much of a surprise here, but once you get his options back in there, he looks a lot better. Uh, Evans, a couple touchdowns in this one. Um, he looked great, and Godwin stayed healthy the whole game. He had a, a pretty big scare. It looked like he was fairly injured on that one play. That he, It looked like he almost got a shoulder stinger. We'll have to keep an eye on that, but he came back in the game, so I'm not concerned about him. As long as those two guys are in, Brady will be a good option. And, uh, Cody, how much are we buying Rashad White's involvement? Uh, I couldn't really tell if this was a product of the Chiefs being up by a lot or if they just kind of wanted to get him more involved. But he ended up seeing five uh, five carries for 50 yards, even got a goal line carry in there, scored a touchdown. Um, you think there's any staying power to this, or are we just kind of writing this off as a one-off? You have Rashad White for how many carries and how many yards? 
Rashad White had three carries for six yards and a score, but he uh, he had five catches for fifty yards. Oh, there we go. Okay, I was like, oh man, my I have my stat sheet looks wrong. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna chalk this up to the Chiefs being up. I mean, it came down to just being a ten point game, um, but it, the Chiefs were kind of in control basically from the second half on. So. Um, I think this was more of a game Tampa Bay, especially from the fourth quarter on, knew that they weren't going to win without a crazy comeback, and they probably just rested Fournette while they had the chance because, uh, you know, they're 2-2. They're, they're two and two. Their offense doesn't look bad. Their defense doesn't look bad. But they also don't look amazing yet. So I think they maybe just want to kind of preserve Fournette and hopefully, uh, you know, not bang him up in a game where they're definitely going to lose. Yeah, I think that's the more likely scenario here. But I think another guy that if you are a Javante Williams owner, Jonathan Taylor owner, and you need some high upside guys in your bench, another guy I'd be looking to stash um, in, in case Fournette ever does go down or you know he gets worked in into a complimentary role. Obviously, you just want pieces of this Bucks offense. It's going to be pretty good moving forward. So yes. I think I, I completely agree candidate. with you when it comes to that. I definitely don't want to just eliminate – Rashad White like definitely probably should be rostered especially with the running back injuries that we've seen but I don't going in the next week I would have no confidence starting him I think on a neutral game script Fournette's the guy yeah I would agree with that uh but I think uh the other the other piece that I I like here about Rashad White is he it looks like he just provides a little bit of a different uh look than Leonard Fournette does he's a little bit more of a, a bruiser and Rashad White has a little bit more quickness and you know make you miss type of game to very true to his game there. So I like Rashad White as a stash if you're RB needy. Uh, last game here, Rams at 49ers. The 49ers pulled out 24-9. to um, This is kind of the game we expected from these two teams. This is generally the way it goes. The, the Niners defense generally plays Sean McVay's offense pretty well. Low-scoring game in this one. Uh, the Niners did get to 24 points, but they had a pick six worked in here. So the offense has only put up uh, 28 points in this game. Um 26 points in this game. Uh, sorry about that. I'm not very good at math right now. But uh, on the Rams side, I think Cooper Cup is the clear 101 if we're redrafting today. I know I said that earlier, but I just want to reiterate that. His team did not score a touchdown, and they had 257 total yards. Usually that leads to fantasy disaster. Cooper Cup had 14 catches on 19 targets and 122 yards. He is the man. He's unstoppable. Even in games where this offense does not do well on on the whole, he finds a way to to put up lines like that. He's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he's matchup proof. He is what all of the running backs drafted before him in a redraft league, what we all thought they were. I mean, he is just – he would be the clear 101 in a full or half PPR league. Um, He's Yeah, he's amazing. I don't – you, I know you traded for him. Um, you traded basically him for Steph, Stephon Diggs straight up. I felt like, you know, Eric was getting a little bit more because he got the Allen Diggs stack. So, like, it kind of equaled out the trade a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's the best player in fantasy football. It's even more clear to see. It's it's incredible. I mean, everyone just thought he was going to have to come down from last year, and he's just doing it again. Yeah, um, I absolutely. I'm I'm a fan of what I've seen so far of that since that trade. I'm I'm glad that I made it. I was definitely on the fence, but Cooper Cup is on another level. Uh, but as of the as for the rest of the Rams' offense, 
Oof. I mean, they, they do always struggle against the Niners, so I do not want to overreact to one game. I think these running back options are just going to be what they've been. They're going to split. I don't think Cam Akers took over that role in week three with his big game. I just think, you know, he ended up having the hot hand in that one uh, safe. You know, I, I just think it could, it's going to go back and forth. So both of these guys are going to be inconsistent. I don't think you can rely on either one of them. I wouldn't be dropping them, but, you know, you're, they're basically just desperation flexes as of now until we see something different here. And Tyler Higby is the only pass catcher that other than Cup I'm considering. His target share has been incredible so far. But, man, are you even rostering Allen Robinson every more? Or are you dropping him? I, I hate to say it, but I think he's a drop candidate. Um, he has just looked lot. bad. My thing is, like, I know that like they're committed to him for another year and whatnot, but for one, he has looked bad. So, like, again, like, I've kind of been on for a couple weeks. Like, we kind of just made up in our mind that he was going to resort back to previous form after a pretty bad last year in Chicago. And it's kind of weird that we all kind of convinced ourselves of that. And then also, like, it's still kind of looming out there, but if OBJ comes back to the Rams, like, Allen Rob, like, he's taking Allen Robinson's role pretty much. So, and he's going to probably be more involved than Allen Robinson was. So, Van Jefferson's also coming back. Maybe stash him. I think he's kind of in that DJ Moore category. You know, you maybe stash him, hope for a boom week, and you try and sell. But if there's someone out there worth getting, drop Allen Robinson and don't think twice about it. Yeah, two catches for seven yards in this one on six targets. He just has not gotten it done so far this year and really just has not looked the part either. I don't think he's shown any separation or anything consistently that you can you know, hang your hat on here with Allen Robinson. So I would have no problem dropping him if you got to. But like you said, uh, he's another DJ Moore guy. If you can wait and sell him, I would rather do that. Um, and on the 49ers side, are we still just rolling Kittle out in our lineup every week? Or are you concerned about him long-term? Another kind of down week for him in this one. Uh, but, you know, he's he's still a tight end, so it's going to be hard to bench him completely. But are you worried about George Kittle? Yeah, I was a little worried coming into the season. I mean, you just have a really physical football player here, always finds a way to get himself banged up one way or, the, one way or another. Um, and then I was mostly concerned because of the Trey Lance issue and, and how he was going to kind of share the ball around. But right now my biggest concern is just the offensive line isn't very good for San Francisco with Trent Williams being out. So he's kind of going to be stuck in blocking a little bit more like I mentioned earlier. So it's just his ability to catch the ball is just going to go down. Um, I wouldn't drop him because I think when Trent Williams comes back and he's able to get out more in the passing game, then he's going to be a fine fantasy option. But maybe temper expectations, and if there's a good streaming option out there, maybe worth the pick up and play, um, depending on Kittle's matchup next week. I can't remember who the 49ers play. Um, I can't remember either. I'll look that up real quick. But while I do, go ahead and answer me this question, Cody. Uh, Higby or Kittle, rest of season, who are you taking? Oh, that's tough. Um, you know, I this may come back to really bite me, but I think I'm going to go Kittle. Or not Kittle, I'm sorry, Higby. Um, he's just the clear number two option right now in the passing game for the Rams. And with how, you know, off and on their running game is, the passing game is going to be a necessity. Like, I, I went into the tonight, I needed Higby to have a pretty solid game for me in two different leagues, and... My confidence level going in was kind of iffy, but and I actually had him going up against George Kittle, and he outperformed him tonight. Um, I'm, I'm just my stock is going up on Higby quite a bit. I think he's just a necessity in this offense, and 
I mean, if you're going to get a tight end with that much volume, I mean, he's he's not he's not the athlete to break into that top three like we were talking about with Dallas Goddard, but he can be the high end of a starter for sure. Yeah, 38 targets for Tyler Higby so far through four games. If he can see anywhere near that target share, he's going to be extremely valuable from a tight end perspective. Oh, yeah. um, I think he's worked his way into almost even a top five option at this point. I mean, 14 targets. Yeah, that is really, I was really, really hard to come by. Yeah, I position. think maybe top five. Sorry. Yeah, with how bad everybody else has been. I mean, uh, this is an, another interesting one, I guess. Let's go Higby or uh, Kyle Pitts. Rest of season, who are you taking? Oh, man. You know what? Again, just at this point, if I'm the Pitts owner, am I trading him straight up for Tyler Higby? I don't think so. <laughs> but if we were, you know, redrafting them and I could get, you know, Higby for a little, couple rounds less than what you're getting – Pitts for, I think I do do that. I, I don't mind him rest of season. I think Pitts is going to be, he's going to have a couple boom games that get people kind of back interested in him. But I think that what we've seen through the first four weeks is definitely possible for the rest of the season. And also on Higby's side, I think his volume could also kind of keep up. We've known the Rams to always have a second option at tight end. And it, they kind of don't have that right now. Higby's the only guy. So I, I just like the volume that he's getting. I mean, if we're talking about talent and, you know, dynasty, I'm, I'm going pits for sure. But rest of season right now, Higby's given me no reason not to take him over Kyle Pitts. Yeah, to your point, I think the he's just a real necessity to this offense with the way this offensive line looks right now. Uh, Stafford's dumping it off to Higby quite a bit, and he's, you know, reaping the rewards, as it were, to this point with uh, the high target share, especially. I think he almost gets a bump up against better front sevens because he becomes even more necessary in those situations. So, like Higby a lot rest of season, especially in half and PPR leagues. Yep. Anything else on the Monday night game, Cody, or uh, are you ready to get out of here? Well, before we get out of here, I uh, I sent you a trade offer. Did you see that come through? I, I did see it come through. I have been mulling it over in my head. It's actually a pretty good offer, so I'll, uh, I'll run this through. I'm not going to – I don't think we're going to complete this right now. I need some time to think and mull this no, over. But It's interesting me, to say the it least. Is, so it I, is interesting. So we're talking yeah. about a 12-team, half PPR league uh, with two flexes, so pretty deep benches. Uh the you know the the player pool is not very very deep on the waiver wire, so there's not a lot to look at. Sending me Ramondre Stevenson and Jamison Williams. We do have an IR spot, so you can stash him on that. Um, and then sending I'm, I would be sending back Chris Godwin and Daryl Henderson. I don't like giving up the clear best player in a deal, which I think I would be here, but I do have much more wide receiver depth than RB depth. Oh, this is a tough one. Yeah, I'm gonna need to mull it over. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll discuss over. I think it's next a good time. Trade. I think yeah. that's that's what I, I was hoping to kind of stump you with that one because I know you you like Jameson Williams quite a bit, and this is a, this is a, I consider it a mini dynasty. You get to keep four players each year, so will I would say Williams' value is a little bit higher than if this was a standard redraft or even a oh, one person keeper league. So if you if you Listen to that without the context. It probably sounds like, why would you ever make that deal? <laughs> but when you add that context in there, it definitely makes it a lot more interesting. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think. I felt like that was, I, I like Jamison Williams a lot, and I have not included him in any trade offers yet. So I'd Yeah, we'll uh, we'll mull that one over, and we'll talk about it next time we, uh, we do a pod. We'll see if we can uh, come to a deal here one way or another on that. I think it makes a lot of sense with the way our two teams are shaping up so far this year. 
for sure. All right. Well, peace out, everybody. If there's a name we didn't mention, you got to know if you should pick them up or not. Shoot us a text. Hit us up on social media. Let us know. We'd be happy to help you out. But besides that, Nick, I'm going to sign off here. Have a good night, everybody. Or a good day if you're listening in the morning, I guess. Peace out. Good night, guys. See ya.